0: Good morning, St. Michael's. Will you stand? Stand, stand, stand. Lord, we are just so blessed to be in your presence this morning. We're ready to hear you. We're ready to obey you and just know what you want us to go out and do in this world. Just speak to us this morning through these songs, through this message.
1: We're open and we're here to listen from you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen.
2: the last uh, day of Easter. Easter's season and uh, it's also uh, Pentecost. And we've got uh, amazing things we have to do today in the government of the church, in uh, commissioning ministries and in uh, baptizing children. Amen. This is is what we come for, right? This is building the kingdom and all of us, each one of us, have such an integral part in making this whole thing come together. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ is
3: risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia.
2: Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
4: First commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these.
0: Amen. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Collette. Almighty God, on this day you open the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that it may reach to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
2: Children? All right. Last minute instructions. Heavenly Father, bless these children. We know how so much you love them, and we pray, Lord, that you just uh, use these times that they come together for their uh, Sunday school, Lord, to just uh, bestow upon them ever-increasing knowledge of you and of your love towards them. And we just uh, pray that special blessing for learning, for absorbing all the things they'll need to know about the Great and Mighty God. Amen. Amen. comes
1: from Acts chapter two, beginning in verse one. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others, mocking, said, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 104, beginning in verse 1. We'll read responding by the asterisk. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God,
6: who are very great, who are clothed with honor and thanks.
1: Who cover yourself with light as with a garment.
6: Who stretch out the heavens like a curtain.
1: He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. Who makes the clouds his chariot. Who walks on the wings of the wind. Who makes his angels spirits. Who laid the foundations of the earth, who covered it with the deep, as with a garment. At your rebuke, they fled. They went up over the mountains. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
5: This morning's second lesson comes from Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14.
6: Hmm.
5: For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together.
1: The word of the Lord.
4: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory be to Thee, O Lord. St. John, chapter 15, beginning at verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened, that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They, he, they hated me without a cause. But when the, helper, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ.
7: Lord, we thank you that on this day... You made out of the confusion of our futile efforts a unity of your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would make this sermon not just the words that I speak, but the spirit of power that comes with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God he doesn't rely on us to do it by our own strength. Amen? That's what today is all about. Today is about the fact that Jesus told his disciples, you've got this revelation. I've opened up the scriptures to you. You have all these things, but don't go until the spirit, which I shall send you, comes down from on high and empowers you, right? That should remind us that you could be the most theologically astute, the most skilled laborer. You could do everything right in the kingdom, and yet, it's all about His Spirit within you. Amen? With that in mind, I'm going to embark on a little journey on this uh, series we've been doing. Worship, Welcome, and Wonder. And what a fortuitous coincidence that wonder happens to fall on Pentecost Sunday. Because if you listened to the lesson we just heard, how many times did it say, and they marveled and were amazed? In other words, they wondered. They were in awe of what was happening. It's the perfect picture of what I want to capture when we talk about wonder. I wanted to start with a quick introduction. As I have the past couple weeks, I've given these examples of cultural influence in our life and the reason why we have to learn the kingdom culture is because the culture that surrounds us, the people, the ideas, the very air we breathe is pulling us in different directions. I talked about the current in the ocean that could pull you without you even knowing about it 50 yards down the shore or further, right? I talked about the compass where when you bring a magnet into play and it's looking for true north, it might be a great compass, but that magnet is going to pull it, Completely away. And today, I wanted to talk about uh, visual illusions. You've all seen them as we kind of go throughout the internet. People post them, and I'm going to show you just a couple, and I'm going to explain what's happening in them. So, if we go to the first image, um, if you were to look at this, I'm not going to make you do it, but if you look look at it for about 30 to 45 seconds, and then you close your eyes what happens is you actually see the reverse image. So the, the maple leaf that's in green becomes red, and the bars around the maple leaf become green. Now, this is a commonly studied phenomenon, and what happens is you have these visual cones, these receptors that receive color. And if you look at this, you see how oversaturated these colors are? They're not pleasant, really. They're very intense. It actually exhausts your visual Cones, and then you end up seeing the reverse of what you had just been looking at. And then the next one that we go to here, the next image, it's hard to tell up on the screens from far away, but those two arrows, when you look at them, it looks like the one in the blue is a slightly different color than the one in the yellow. Now, like I said, the effect is mitigated on the screens, but what's happening there is the exact same thing. What your eyes see is determined by what you've been looking at. What you perceive in the world is actually changed by what you see on what we called last week, your glowing rectangles, your TV screens, your iPhones. And when the world is bombarding you with these hyper-oversaturated images and ideas we end up actually having distorted perception without even knowing it. There's stories I've read about gamers who have gamed for like three days straight and their vision is so warped from just looking at that highly saturated screen that they actually have to like rest for a day. They think that they're losing their eyesight because they look at the world and it's so bland and colorless and drained. Because they've completely exhausted themselves by plugging into this visual stimulation. And what do we do all day long? If we're not looking at our phones, we're looking at a TV screen. We're looking at a car screen, a map. We're doing these things. And I wanted to argue that this isn't just a physical phenomena. That actually being surrounded by these ideas, and it doesn't have to be visual, right? It might be on the radio. It might be who you're talking to, who you surround yourself with. It's distorting our ability to see the world correctly. But we are wired for wonder. And yet, in this day and age, I would call it one of the most cynical day and ages in the history of the world. So, last week I called it one of the loneliest. So, if you're lonely and you're cynical, what do you have? Hardly anything. It's bankrupt. And we see it reflected in our culture. We looked at some anxiety and depression statistics last week. It's just there's a cultural bankruptcy where people are looking around and saying, where have the good days gone? What's wrong with all of these shootings and these mental health crisis in the schools? And I want to argue it's because we're looking at the wrong things. We're listening to the wrong things. We aren't keeping our minds, our spirits focused on the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean becoming a hermit. I hope you guys know that. You don't have to go and hang out in the church for 24 hours a day in order to see God. You should be seeing God every day in whatever job, whatever capacity. And you should be wondering at the world, the beauty, the goodness, the wealth of God's revelations. He says throughout Scripture that he makes himself known in the world he has created. If you don't see him, it's not because he's not there. Wonder, what does it mean? It's a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. The surprise mingled with admiration is important because there's so many things, and I see this very often with my children, where you give them a toy, and at first, their first response is absolute wonder. Because the surprise, the new admiration, this is so cool. Within a week, it might be in the garbage pail. We don't know, right? Because there's this unfamiliarity. But the thing is, with God, there is no end to unfamiliarity. You don't get to a point where you've exhausted the depths of God. In fact, later I'll argue, you don't get to the point where you exhaust the depth of the people in this room. There's always more to the people that God's created in his image. Now, the wonder I'm looking for is the wonder that comes, like I said, with the children when they're presented with something unexpected, unfamiliar, admirable. So let's go to the tea party that Haley put together for Ruby yesterday. Complete and utter wonder. In that moment, and for the next hour or so, I promise you that her mouth did not forming words for that entire hour. Oh my gosh, this and look at, oh, and the cream and the milk and you need more tea. And she was just so excited about these plastic cups filled with lukewarm tea. And there's real milk and her little stuffed animals and dolls are all around her. She was entering into wonder. Now we grow up and we know, well, plastic cups are not that special. Or at least we think we know that. But man, there's something special about your mom setting up something beautiful for you and sitting down with just you for that 40 minutes and sipping tea and talking and hanging out with your special things. I would argue that it wasn't the tea or the cups that was making Ruby so excited. It was the moment of connection with her mom doing something she loved. So God gives us things. And you can respond in one of two ways, the same way my kids can respond in one of two ways to us. Daddy, what are we eating for dinner? Oh, chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. We had chicken noodle soup last week. Yeah, well, that's something that we eat regularly. Or we can respond like the psalmist, where everything in the world is a gift of God's abundance to us. In fact, let's go... Look at So I showed you what wonder looks like in Ruby's face, but let's listen to what wonder sounds like in our psalm that we read this morning, Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens themselves like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the water. He makes the clouds his chariots. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers the winds. His ministers a flaming fire. You cause the grass to grow for livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth fruit from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart. That is the sound of wonder, right? He's looking at the same world you and I live live in, and he's seeing God and God's provision. The very bread he eats, the wine he drinks, the oil to make his face shine, bread to strengthen man's heart. And he continues, O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all! The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, with teams with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. One of my disciplines that I've tried to enforce in my life to maintain a sense of wonder is when I drive home, I'm always looking at the road like my wife wants me to. No, I'm looking at the ocean every once in a while. You steal a couple glances, right? Just to remember the greatness, the vastness of that ocean that's right there. Well, I guess right there. I'm pointing the wrong direction, but when I drive home, it's on my right. The point is we don't look at the world the way that the psalmist does. And I want to invite you to open your eyes to see the world the way he does. Here he continues. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the earth. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. We'll stop there. There's so much more in this psalm, but I want you to just get a rhythm for how this person is viewing the world. How have we become so cynical about the good things that God provides in our life? I would argue it's not. Only a problem of modern man. That this is something that we've been struggling with since the beginning. In fact, in the garden, God gives them the beautiful, luscious garden, and they have to have the one thing he told them not to eat. Do you think that any of their food in the garden was any less than exquisite? Do you think that their trees weren't ripe with fruit? Their vegetables weren't as good as you could imagine? No, but they needed the one thing. That God didn't give them. This is how we look at the world. And I would argue that this comes to us through a couple of major ways, especially in our current culture. First of all, I think that we have a responsibility to foster within us a hunger for God. That we actually have to be looking for him in our world in order to see him. We're promised if you seek, you will find. If he's everywhere, as the psalmist proclaims, as is proclaimed throughout all Scripture, then why aren't you more amazed? I heard this great comedy sketch. I couldn't put it up because, you know, there's always hints of nefarious ideas playing around in these comedians. But this particular one was really good, where he was talking about how everyone on every plane everywhere should just be like, oh my God, I'm flying. Literally the most amazing thing. If you read the ancients, like all they talk about is like, oh, to soar with the eagles. I mean, it's poetry. And yet we're like, man, the service on this flight, the mask, the close encounter, like I just can't handle this. And you're hurtling through the air at 600 miles an hour in a steel tube. There's something amazing about our world. And yet we're so blinded and jaded to it. And I think it's partially because we have a responsibility to foster wonder, to foster that hunger for the things of God, to seek him and then find him. We see that in Jeremiah 15, 16. And Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He is like the most dour person to read. It's awful everything that happens to him. And yet he has these glimpses, these moments where you see how did he live through that awful life? Well, here's one of his key moments. Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. What's going on here? This verse before and the verse after, he's talking about them like peeling his flesh from his bones. He's talking about them beating him so he has no more strength left. But the verse right here gives you the key to how he keeps going. He created a hunger for the one thing that mattered. God, the one thing that mattered, God's word, his life-giving word. So when you hunger for that, it doesn't matter if you don't get physical bread. Now, let me just be clear here. Yes, God wants to give you an abundant life, physically and otherwise. But we have to have our priorities straight. We have to seek him first, and then all those things will be added unto you. There are three major enemies of wonder in our present age, and I don't have time to go deeply into them, but I just want to call them out so that you're aware and give you a couple of things to maybe stir up your thoughts. Number one is the materialism in our world that teaches that everything you need can be bought. Everything you need is just more money so you can buy the thing. That's where the that's where the truth, that's where true wonder lies. Entertainment, that teaches distraction, is the antidote to suffering. you bored? Pull up a YouTube video. Are you hurting? Watch a, watch a film, watch a movie. Are you looking for some experience? Go listen to a concert. Go be a part of that musical uh, genre that you love. And lastly, the cynicism that erodes our expectation and blinds us to goodness. Like I said, I'm not going to go deep into these, but I want to call out a couple of things for us to pay attention to. As far as materialism goes, I pulled up these statistics that are just, they're hard to read. But I'm going to read a few, and maybe that will strike a chord with us. There are 300,000 items in the average American home. The average size of the American home has tripled in the past 50 years. 3.1% 3.1% of the world's children live in America, but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. In average, American women, an American woman owns 30 outfits, one for every day of the month. In 1930, that figure was nine. The average American family spends $1,700 on clothes annually, while the average American throws away 65 pounds of clothing per year. The average woman will spend more than eight years of their lives shopping. Shopping malls outnumber high schools, and 93% of teenage girls rank shopping as their favorite pastime. There are more televisions than people in the average American home. (laughs) Americans spend $1.2 trillion annually on non-essential goods. In other words, items they don't need. Now, if you sat there and thought, well, that's not me. Let me just say this. There's a statistic that will get to you. I promise. Let he who says he has no sin acknowledge. There's something here that is not normal. We are bent in a certain direction by our culture. Now, I am not saying that you should go get rid of all of your stuff. If I was saying that, then I should have said it last week before the rummage sale. But I'm saying that you do need to treat your stuff with a degree of wisdom. We can have another rummage sale. Amen. If you feel convicted today, (laughs) there is something important about the fact that we are grasping these things to ourselves when they can often be the serpent that takes you out. Hold them at arm's length. I heard one preacher said, treat it like the company car. He used to get so mad when his things would break. But he goes, if the world is God's, then it's not mine. It's the company car. If God wants me to have another one, he'll get me another one. Right? There's a healthy perspective there. We're always grasping and looking for the things that we need. One of our African bishops years ago told us, I feel bad for you Americans. Because when we pray to God to give us our daily bread... In Africa, we actually mean it. There's something dangerous about having more than you need. The things aren't the problem, but our lack of hunger for God and his provision is the problem. Yesterday, I took the kids shopping at Costco, as one does. And uh, by the end of it, I told them that we could have samples. But we were too early, and so the samples weren't out. So I was like, I need to get them a treat. So I got them a churro. Don't worry, I got them one Costco churro. I am not crazy. And I split it into three pieces for our kids. That was around 11 a.m. Then I sat them down to eat lunch at 12 p.m. Let me tell you, they were not hungry for lunch. That's us. We fill ourselves up with the things of this world, and we wonder why we don't hunger and thirst for God. Now, that doesn't mean don't buy the Costco churro. It's not what I'm saying. It's quite delicious. What it does mean is we need to build into our lives rhythms of self-denial. you got to figure out what that is for you. you got to figure out what that is for you. That's why we have seasons like Lent. But trust me when I say Lent is not enough. We need some serious wisdom around our stuff. And stuff we need to give up, stuff we need to limit ourselves from, rhythms of self-denial. And we need to pursue God. We sing this song occasionally, and it says, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. That's the secret. If you're going to seek God, he will meet you. And if you persist in seeking him and you persist in meeting God, then you will fall deeply in love with him. Not in some sentimental, heart-fluttery type of way, but in the type of love that says, there is nothing in my life more important than my relationship with God. Okay. Entertainment. Two things about entertainment, and we will move on. Number one, there's a great line from the title of a book that's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. If you want the book, I have copies. I can give them to you. It is amazing. But... The point of the book is obvious to us. We are amusing ourselves to death. Aldous Huxley once said, In a word, they failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. That goes right along with that stuff we were talking about with the iPhone last week when it said, we are the iPhone's killer app. We're not using it, it's using us. The whole point here is to remember that we need to treat our entertainment, our technology, all of these things with wisdom. I was telling a couple guys the other day, I was like, I think I spend more time with Michael Scott from The Office and Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine than any of my friends in real life. That is a tragedy. That is a tragedy. And yet it is considered normal. From what I see from my friends, I would assume most of them have to admit to something like that. This is not normal. And it's going to squash your wonder. These hyper-saturated, hyper-punched-up TV shows that show these enigmatic characters, and then we don't have any desire to spend time with the people that are our neighbors, our friends, our church fellows. It's because you're eating the churro, which is the TV show, instead of the sandwich with the meat and the lettuce and the tomato. You're eating junk food. The stuff of life is with your fellow man. And it's a shallow description. These people on TV, you get this much of their life, their personality, whatever they show you, the punched up version. But when you talk to somebody, when you really get to know somebody, they're almost painfully interesting. When you really walk with somebody, when you really get to know them, you find that there's infinite depths to them. And if you find yourself getting annoyed at people, like, man, they're so boring, or, man, they're so whatever, get to know them better. I promise you there's more going on. Bless you. Psalm 139.14 gives us all the evidence we need for this. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Every single person you encounter is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. We are wired for connection with one another. And we're choking it out of ourselves by being concerned with the lesser goods, the lesser things. We're not going to talk about cynicism this week. We don't have the time. But when you pursue these things to their logical end, and you find that the entertainment, the material goods you, fu- you get in this world are empty, that they leave you desperate and broken and unsatisfied, it leads directly to cynicism. There's no good in this world. Nothing's ever going to be good. And that leads us to Pentecost, coming back full circle. Because there is no greater picture of this sermon series than Pentecost. When God establishes his kingdom on earth among men. It's so cool that Jesus thought we were worth leaving behind to run his kingdom. Now he's in charge, absolutely, but he trusted us to take it to every person in the world. And we're all in this room because his plan worked and is still working. Pentecost is all about worshiping God. Pentecost is all about welcoming others. There were people from every tribe and language, hearing in their own tongue the word of the Lord. And it's all about worshiping God. Finding out that He exists, that there is a pathway to get to know Him, and that you owe Him everything. That's all throughout Peter's sermon that we read today. Worship, welcome, and wonder. And the cynics go, oh, they're drunk. Sounds pretty familiar to a lot of the stuff going on in our culture today. But let's remember that we live in a world suffused with the glory of God. Not only that, the Spirit of God lives within you. There's a lot to wonder at. If you're not feeling amazed, feelings are so ephemeral. Ephemeral. I don't even know how to pronounce that word. I probably shouldn't use it. Feelings are like shallow representations of reality. They can tell you things, but they don't get to the heart of the matter. If you're not feeling amazed, seek God. He will open your eyes. Amen? Amen.
4: All family can come too. Any family members, please come. Hand me the stole and hand me the. It seems so solemn. Well, there
2: aren't too many cooler days than Pentecost, I'll tell you to be baptized. Okay. Water. Candidates for holy baptism will now be presented. Amen. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian life and faith? And will you, by your prayer and witness, help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ? Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces? of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? And do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? And do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? Will you who witness these vows do all your power to support Margaret and her life in Christ? We will. Let us join with her who is committing herself to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Do you believe in God the Father?
3: I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth.
2: Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God?
3: I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again.
2: According to
3: the Scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead.
2: Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? I believe
3: in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
2: Will you continue in the Apostles' teaching and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers?
3: I will with
2: God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I
3: will with God's help.
2: Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ?
3: I will with God's help.
2: Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will with God's help. And we strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being, born and unborn?
3: I
5: will with God's help. Let's now pray for Margaret, who is to receive sacrament of new birth. Deliver her, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Lord, hear our prayer. Open her heart to your grace and truth. Lord, hear our prayer. Fill her with your holy and life-giving Spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Keep her in the faith and communion of your holy Church. Lord, hear our prayer. Teach her to love others in the power of the Spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Send her into the world and witness to your love. Lord, Bring her to the fullness of your peace and glory. Lord, hear our prayer.
2: Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with you. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God.
3: It is right to give him thanks and praise. We
2: thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation, through which you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your Son, Jesus Christ, received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it, we're buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection, and through it, we're reborn by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those who are here cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if this baby to cry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Margaret Elizabeth House, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Margaret, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, and marked as Christ's own, forever. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that by water and the Holy Spirit, you bestowed upon your servant the forgiveness of sin, raised her to a new life and grace. Sustain her, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit, and give her an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage to will and persevere, a spirit to know and love you, and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. Amen. Amen. <laughs> How many sisters? Okay. Careful. Okay. Let us welcome the newly baptized. We receive you into the household of God. Confess the faith of Christ crucified. Proclaim his resurrection and share with us in his eternal priesthood. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of God. And I'll tell you, it always is when we baptize one of those children. What an amazing and marvelous activity it is for the church. Amen? Amen. What do we have, Phil? We have good news.
4: Yeah, we had a great rum uh, yesterday. In fact, it was the very best we've ever had. The best we've yeah, ever by had. By far. Well, i like to thank everybody who came out. That was uh, Esther and Ronnie, who are not here today, but we also had several other people, and we really appreciate you guys coming out and waking up early to get there to make that happen. So thank you very much. Uh, it was over $1,800, so we're going to do it again next weekend now. <laughs> right, Kelly? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a no. Uh, school is out on uh, Tuesday. We have our award ceremony tomorrow night. Please come if you're a parent or if you're not a parent. You just want to come and see what we do for at our award ceremony. We'd love to have you there. You know, Bishop Kessler is going to be there. Father Jim's going to be there, too. And uh, it will be a good time. And Austin Reed will be moving on to high school tomorrow night. So, Austin, where are you? Are you back there somewhere? All right, Austin, going to high school. Excellent. Good job. And Austin worked really hard this year. It was, it was not an easy year, was it, Austin? Not easy, but he worked really hard and he did a good job. So great job, Austin. Let us uh, continue with the offertory. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
2: We're blessed to have the Powers family back in our midst uh, from Maryland, and uh, Lord, we just pray a special blessing on Steve and Shannon and all the kids, and Lord, just let them uh, just pick up where they left off, just open doors for them that can't be shut, Lord, and, and bless them in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. We welcome all baptized believers to join us in receiving the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him, for those who want to love him more. Come if you have much faith, come if you have little. Come if you've been here often, and come if you haven't been here long. You who've tried to follow, you who've failed, you come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's His will that those who want Him should meet Him here at His table. Come. <coughs> the Lord be with you.
3: And with your spirit.
6: Lift
2: up your hearts. Lift you up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. <clears throat> Father, Lord, Father, and ever God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. We praise you with greater joy than ever on this Easter season when Christ became our Paschal Lamb. Through him, in fulfillment of his true promise, the Holy Spirit came down on this day from heaven, lighting upon the disciples to teach them and lead them into all truth, uniting people of many tongues in the confession of one faith, and giving to your church the power to serve you as a royal priesthood to preach the gospel to all nations. (coughs) So with all the choir of angels in heaven we proclaim your glory. We join in our unending hymn of praise. You are holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, a death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you thanks. He broke it, gave it to his disciples. And said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to the disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant to shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith.
3: Christ has died. died, Christ is risen.
2: Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember especially those who are sick and in spirit, soul, or body. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, almighty God and Father, now and forever.
3: Amen.
2: Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray.
3: Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, let us keep the peace. O Lamb, hallelujah.
2: o Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world.
3: Have mercy on us.
2: Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world.
3: Grant us thy peace.
2: The gifts of God for the people of God, take them to remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who recall. To the supper of the Lamb. Amen. The body of Christ. Come up here for me. I need I need you for a minute. And Christian, come up here. These are. Uh, I didn't see you. <laughs> you were hiding behind someone back there. Come on up here. Uh, we take very seriously, obviously, in this church, our children, and and we have a, just a huge privilege to have this couple. Actually, all three of these uh, people working with us uh, uh in in developing these children and what they 're supposed to be. you know, I watched thomas uh since he was a child, <laughs> and then I was with them in a while when they started just having children and uh, what an amazing couple they are and so uh let me ask Phil, did I sign the right one which one is the, the <laughs> that, which one did they get?
4: I, put, I, I for you to pick one. Oh, I, I, mean, all right. I
2: signed outside. the right one. Uh, why don't you guys uh, step up here because this is, uh, this is something we want to do. And Father House and I and Phil, we're all going to uh, just lay hands on you. This is just a certificate installation that uh, you now are officially – bona fide we do these kind of things for that government you know but uh, we we've long recognized the anointing in uh, your lives and the, the wonderful things that you do you just uh give them a word jim
5: yeah. lord we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives lord and the fruit that are on the trees. Lord, we just ask you to bless them, Lord, and multiply
2: them in all that they do. Amen. Thank Amen. You, Lord. Praise be to God. And these are uh, really good reading, and it'll tell you how to deal with these crazy kids. <laughs> no, it's really, really good books. But naturally, Jesse found them, and anything he does is really well. Thank you, and God bless you.
1: Amen. Okay,
2: we'll close this out. And- You can do whatever you want, can I? You know, I just wanted
4: to, uh, I got a report
5: this week of how many people that we feed a month here at uh, St. Michael's, uh, food bank. And it's close to a thousand people are fed here every month. Yep. <laughs> it reminds me that we come here and we get fed. But you know, Jesus fed people also.
2: That's right. With, with, bread, with bread, with fish.
3: We have a lot of fish and bread out there, so I think
5: we're doing the work of Christ. But, you know, the school, we've had a lot of the school uh, kids helping us every Monday, and they're not going to be here. And so I just want to encourage you, if you really want to get involved, if you want a real blessing from God, come out here and minister to the people in our neighborhood who are coming here to, to receive food. And not only the food... That we give them, but also spiritual food. That's right. Because you can pray for people, you can minister to people, and you can just watch the joy that God pours on these families and these men and women who come
2: and receive at St. Michael's. Amen? Amen. That's a wonderful uh, wonderful ministry we've had many years, but I'll tell you what, uh, when when Jim uh, got involved, uh, and he gave us a wonderful word at our elders retreat. Uh, I think it just kicked it up a notch. You put a little zeal back into it. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's a wonderful thing we have an opportunity to do. It's who we are. I was, uh, I don't know who it was I was talking. It might have been Jesse. We have a lot of conversations about the old days and the start and what it used to be like here and how the neighborhood has changed. and but uh it 's always been who we are it 's always been who we are to we've moved to minister to people like this and uh, you know you get uh you go through seasons and you get tired and and you you have times of refreshing and healing but at uh, just the right moment when we needed just a little kick in the pants, Father House brought it, and I think we were just We're back, and and it's just an amazing Monday afternoon, so get involved. Amen. Let us pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you've graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace. And grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against him. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Great Sunday.
0: Oh, don't you get shy of me
4: Let us go into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.
0: How are you doing?